You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on Sports Radio Detroit. Dot com. I'm Roger Castillo alongside me, Chris Brown, as we're doing our first podcast for the month of August. I can't believe it's already August, Chris. This is uh, summer's kind of flown by, isn't it? It's horseshit. It is, it, it, is. It, it is complete horseshit. You're absolutely right because I feel like we haven't, you know, like it's the 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 summer's dragged by. But I mean, I don't know in terms of what you've done this summer so far. But I feel like I haven't done dick. Like honestly, like outside of even doing stuff around the house, I haven't really done much. What about you? Your honey do list. Well, I mean, we've done a lot of like a lot of pool parties, but uh, <laughs> th- those all kind of sort of blend together. This is basically the same thing. You know, we get out there, like one or two, a bunch of people come over. I have my Spotify playlists going. Um, which are most recent playlist? Which was, are pretty uh, good. What's that? Oh, which are pretty good. I I, I can't tell. Uh, well, you know, the the most recent one I decided uh, to take a bunch of my you know, favorite rap songs or hip hop mm-hmm. songs or whatever, and and find the original samples. That's and, a good and idea. Put, put those songs on a playlist. Mm-hmm. The weird thing about that, though, is like like ten songs into that or less, Spotify totally knew what I was doing. So it's definitely not a uh, not a uh, original idea because they were, you know, Spotify was suggesting also the songs that were perfect for it, but. Uh, but yeah, I thought it's it's kind of fun. It's the only issue is that a lot of those songs are like really slow, <laughs> so you know, like old classic R and B songs. But uh, like the funk ones are pretty great, so that's always fun. But uh, yeah, not like we haven't gone anywhere or anything like that this summer. So I went to just, uh, I went to Roger City uh, or like uh, it's just I can't think of the island aisle. It's uh, near Roger City. Um, I spent a couple days up there. For a work thing, and it was uh, it was fun. It was relaxing. I got to, uh, I, I went fishing for the first time since high school. It was like muscle memory came back, and oh. so it was nice. I feel like there's a pattern because you also went to the Rogers Center. Yeah, so it's the summer. Yeah. It's truly the summer of Roger. It truly <laughs> yeah. is, or Rogelio, if you will. So, uh, uh, so um. coming up, <laughs> so coming up on the podcast, uh, we'll be talking the Tigers trade for Willie Castro. We'll be talking, take a look out there on the farm system. We'll also take a look at the Tigers. Last couple of weeks or so, uh, the MLB trade deadline, and just uh, some a lot of uh, a lot of weird stuff going around baseball and just sports in general. But uh, let's start with the Tigers trade for Willie Castro, and uh, it was good to see. By the way, um, our our man, uh, friend of the show, uh, Brian Sakowski, getting quoted in the free press uh, just for Castro's profile. So he was uh, Castro was picked up on Tuesday. They sent Leonis Martin and Kyle Dowie to Cleveland. And uh, so the Tigers picking up another shortstop prospect. And he was sitting in, excuse me, he was sitting in uh, Akron with the Rubber Ducks. And, you know, and Sikowski, by the way, was he got, he got a couple of quotes in here. And a couple of quotes uh, he was talking about. Uh, one quote from Brian he's an athletic guy, he can play shortstop, he can play second base. I think you play third base as well. There's some versatility there where you can play all over the infield, above average athlete, above average defender. So they're worried about his power a little bit. But here's a guy who at one point in time was excuse me, the eighth top. It was one of the top ten prospects for Cleveland. And for the Tigers, it was a trade that you looked at it and said, well, I mean, some people were pissed that they didn't do more. And look, let me tell you, folks, there's nothing much they could have done. So I, 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 you know, whether you like Alvila or not is irrelevant with this. 
stop. Okay, you literally with Martin, you were able to get a guy who's considered a pretty good, who's a top ten prospect, and he's already coming in with the Tigers, according to MLB Pipeline. Which, uh, you know, Chris, I'm starting to understand now why MLB Pipeline is kind of a weird uh, phenomenon shaped thing because, as I've been learning from not only James Shipman and yourself and others, and I've learned I've learned this a long time ago, but still, it's Always learning curve when it comes to prospects. It's above the box score, and it's above also, you know, prospect rankings. And he comes with this too. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, here's the guy who was just, I mean, Lenore Francisco Lenore is right there in front of him. So there's really nothing you can do. But uh, at some point, we yeah, before the preseason rankings, it was ranked number five, and they're talking about his consistency with the glove and. 25 back-to-back era seasons. And this is a guy who's just 21, so he still has a lot, some time to develop. He's been with the organization since he was 16. So it seems like his strikeout ratio is up a little bit, but his walks are also up from 5.5 to 6.8. So this is a guy kind of like, well, what are you going to do with the situation with Alcantara and now him? But the versatility does help. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when, when the trade, I, I was a little bit disappointed, uh, just, I, but I, I think I was just basing it entirely on Martin's season this year and looking at him as a, a plus defensive center fielder who is an, you know, certainly an above average hitter against right-handers, uh, he kind of struggles against lefties, but he's basically an average offensive player this year. Uh, and you're super cheap, you know, it's like a million and a half this year and, and you could have him. But I, you know, he also was a guy who was designated for assignment last year and he's had, you know, he, he hasn't been this player for his career. So I understand that they weren't going to get a ton for him. And in the event, yeah. So Castro, I think signed for 850,000 or something like that when, as an amateur. And I think that's probably about what the Tigers paid Martin this year. So in a pure salary trade, it made sense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's an interesting player. It sounds like he's got, uh, you know, above average natural bat-to-ball skills, which is always nice. The issue is, is the aggressiveness. That's basically the one thing that's, that's going to hold him back from being a, a you know, a sure thing regular because he's uh he's got a good chance to be an above average defender he's got above average speed and the, sp- the the power is is lacking but he's not like a complete you know empty bat compared to somebody like um like you know dixon machado we saw or even um, you know alcantara who he's you know teammates with now he's probably in some ways, he's probably a lot like Jose Iglesias, but uh, he may have have more power than Iglesias. It's just a matter of getting to it because of that aggressiveness. He might not be able to get to it very often. Uh, so, I mean, the way I describe him, he's kind of a uh, somewhere in between Alcantara and Paredes, um, closer to Alcantara, and uh, most likely a utility player in the future. But there's a chance he could be like a second division regular, you know, a starting shortstop on a team that's not all that good. So uh, and the Tigers aren't all that good, so he could be a starter for them. Yeah, and the thing is, especially when you look at the prospects, uh, the, the latest ranking, and 
terms of what it's been told that um and I I saw this earlier on a chat, I think it was on the Bless You Boys, and I remember uh I think it was Al said this during the I think Avila said this during the broadcast that they're gonna rotate Castro Paredes and Alcantara between second base uh second base, shortstop and third. Mm-hmm. And there's this you know, I know you guys uh with uh Keenan Carter who's uh tiger, at Tiger Lifer you guys did this little mock cool thing about the futures prospects or Tigers prospects at 2021. And I talked about putting Paredes at third, but I, I think in my personal opinion, the reason why I think he's going to go to second is because of his stockiness. And I mean, if the whole ability is range, I mean, if he has a good arm for it, as you were, we talked about this off air uh, yesterday uh, during our little show prep thing. Um, that's fine, but I, I I don't know. I just think that if the Tigers are gonna, the Tigers don't really have an answer at second base, and they and they haven't for a while. Even as much as Cody Clemens is off to a strong start at West Michigan, I'm not gonna say anything until I see him in Erie or doing well in Lakeland. If I if, if I see his progress going well in Lakeland, then we can discuss that. But it's I think it's way too early to put him even suggested at second base because you need to see some ball up. Uh, at bats at an advanced level before we make any kind of conclusion, but I think Paredes more likely will be the Tigers starting second baseman. You know what? I'll make irresponsible speculation. I'll start that a little early today. <laughs> Paredes will more likely be your starting second baseman in the in 2019. There we go. That's you know what? I'm dropping that August 2nd, 2018. So far, my predictions. I, I you think he's going to be the starting second baseman when next year in Detroit? In Detroit. Oh wow! All yeah, right. you know what? I got ball. You know what? I'll put like because you just said it, Chris. This team is not very good. So if the Tigers look, if the Tigers are going to, m- might as well make things interesting. I mean, and in terms of Paredes continues to if he this last month in Erie or so because the season ends what first week of September, right? Yep. Okay, so I look at it this way: if you have the second baseman coming to camp right now, you're going to have. I mean, look at who would be a potential second baseman. Ryan Rodriguez is not going to stick around. Sorry, uh, Lugo. The you know the jury's out on him as just the guy doesn't walk. He his on base percentage is horrendous. So this is a guy who's not going to get there. Maybe he might be. He might spend another year or so in the, in the system, but he'll get a chance at second base. But Paredes come in. Paredes comes in. Let's say he starts a good spring. Why wouldn't they start him at second base? I, I you know what I mean. Like who else are you going to put there? I mean they're not in terms of free agency right now. Depends on what you hear about the rumor about uh, fires. The reason why they didn't treat him because of two million dollars. I don't know, Chris. It just it seems like this would be the time. To just say, hey, whatever, screw it, put him out there. Yeah, I'm, I I think they're they've been pretty happy with Goodrum at second base. Uh, now he's versatile enough that they could just go, you know what, left field or whatever. Um, but yeah, the, the thing that the only thing that would prevent me from because I think Paredes, uh, he may be talented enough to to go and, and handle and not you know drown in the majors. Even right now, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of you know production. But uh, I just think for for somebody that young and somebody with the concerns on the you know conditioning and the defense, there's no real reason to start his his service time. Uh, I, I mean, I could see them saying, you know, he's going to need a year to adjust or whatever, and then, then by the time he's starting to play well in the majors, we're going to be starting to get get good again. But why not just uh, 
And I, I would think that they'll start him back in Erie next year, and he'll get a bump to Toledo midway through the year. And maybe toward the end of the season, he'll get a cup of coffee in Detroit. But I don't know. It, it is interesting. I mean, he made two errors at third base today. So maybe, you know, don't want to judge it on one game. I just think, you know, for the, the reasons you mentioned about him being stocky and stuff, I, I, I just I don't know if I mean, the, all the talk is about him not being able to stick at shortstop because of that. I'm, I'm not sure that if that's the reason he can't stick at shortstop, I'm not sure that, that he would be any better at second base if it's about you know, the agility and first step quickness and stuff like that. But we'll see. I, um, I think they probably would like to, his offense probably fits better at second base as a guy who probably project, projects to be uh, an average to above average hitter with average to above average power rather than like, you know, plus power or something like that. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun. And I should give, you know, Keenan most of the credit for that. he, he did the whole list and just asked me what I thought, and I just offered some suggestions. But, uh, yeah, it was a fun little exercise. It, as I was talking to him about it, it's a good way to to look at where the system's weaknesses are. Even if you, you know, I, I write about the minor leagues every week, and it's still, like, when we were doing it, we're like, wow, you know, the outfield was really kind of kind of not not settled at all. Other than Daz Cameron, I, I'm not sure if there's an average regular in the system other than, you know, Parker Meadows, but like you were saying with Clemens, it's even much more of a, a long wait with him. So you don't want to project him to be a starter in 2021 when he's 18 or 19 right now. So Yeah, I mean, if, if you, you look at the outfield situation too, even with uh, the likes of Derek Hill and Al- Jose Alcantar, I, you know, I don't, I can't see myself seeing those guys here as a regular in the system. I mean, if you look at the MLB pipeline, according to the MLB pipeline, Alcantara is at number 17 in terms of prospects, but this is the second year in Lakeland we talked about earlier. And, I mean, he's, he's it seems like he's kind of getting the hang of it a little bit now in Lakeland, but he shows no power. Uh, but It's it's you know, it's the same just uh, same thing that's plaguing most of the <laughs> – a lot of the players in the system. You, you talked about Castro. We talked about Lugo. Azucar is another guy who just won't walk. Four walks and walk. yeah, four and, walks and, and so two hundred ten at bats, Chris. It's the most frustrating thing yeah. for me to see these guys who have the ability to put the bat on the ball, and and like that's that's the hardest thing to do in baseball. The hardest thing to do in sports, you know, <laughs> hit a baseball and they they can do it, but they refuse to walk, uh, and it's it's just like that's a huge part of the game now. If you don't walk, you're not a plus player, and that's it. It just sucks to see. Guys like that, and you know, Derek Hill just can't ever seem to get a good month going. He's got like a 600 career OPS. He just, uh, it'd be nice to see him out of Lakeland, but at some point you got to earn your way out. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, we, we were projecting the outfield, and it was like, you know, Stewart in left field, even though a lot of people think he probably needs to be a DH, and it was. Cameron in center field and like Gerber in right field. It's it's hard to come up with without doing free agency and stuff, which is something that you were chiming in with. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and I, I'll, we'll get we'll get more of the minors later during the farm report. But I think yeah. a couple players that they could look at potentially in that. By the way, if you go, do me a favor if you haven't already. For the four over four thousand fans I have, Detroit Tigers minor league tracker is the Facebook page, and it has some great information. 
and check out what Keenan and Keenan did in a short period of time for that twenty um, the twenty twenty one lineup. And I was talking about doing one with potential free agents, and one I mentioned is Jose Abreu. Now Jose Abreu is going to be a free agent after twenty twenty, and here's a guy who could be at first base. Um, he, you know, just for fun, of course, you know, Keenan just puts a disclaimer on there, and it was pretty funny. And uh, in terms of putting a disclaimer on there, I like the way he phrased it. But uh, he has Candelario there at first, but I think I think Candelario is going to stay at third. Just personal opinion aside, but well, that was that was I will say that that was my doing to put him <laughs> there because I wanted to get Paredes and Clemens on the infield. And I mean, I, I asked the first thing I asked him was, "What are you where are you projecting Cabrera?" Because uh, he thought he would just be done with baseball. Which is it's possible, but to me, like Cabrera with his multiple families, probably not going to turn down another $70 million or whatever unless it would have to be like a Prince Fielder situation, you know, where he just, doctor says he can't play anymore. But uh, anyway, sorry to interrupt. Uh, that's okay. Uh, but, look, look, but looking at that roster, the thing that stood out to me was a guy like Jose Abreu who will be 34 and possibly if the Tigers should have their you know act together at this point, he was a guy who could be a good veteran presence in the locker room. And I mean, this is going to be an extremely young roster at this point, all things considering at this projected roster. And I thought that Abreu being a Hispanic player, a Cuban player, I think that would blend well with some of the players on that squad. So I don't know. I thought that would be a good signing for that. And you, you look at the, the catching situation too. That also is a giant red flag as well. When you look at Grayson Griner as your catcher, when you look full well right now, you, the Tigers have drafted Sam McMillan, of course, they drafted Joey Morgan. So they've gone catcher-heavy the last couple of years. So th- to say that you don't see one of those names mentioned in there is kind of uh, kind of ugh. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I always think that, too, at the same time, the free agent market always dictates you can get a good backup catcher or a one a defensive-minded one that will kind of do the do the job. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and, and I, I know that there's, uh, you know, I think Keenan doesn't, doesn't ever picture Jake Rogers as being a starter just because he doesn't think he'll hit enough. And that's, that's entirely likely Jake Rogers has, you know, there's a lot of holes in his swing, but to me, if he's that good defensively, he's been good the last couple of months, like, you know, much better. And if he's going to walk and hit for power when he does make contact, that's a fine starter at catcher, you know, given what the, the state of catcher in the major leagues now, I mean, it's not, it's not ideal. He's not an all-star or whatever, but if he's going to, be a plus defensive catcher while providing, you know, on base and some slugging, then yeah, I think that's 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 a better option than Griner to me. Griner sort of screams back up just because he doesn't do anything particularly well. Uh you know, including walk or hit for power. But I don't know, yeah, like you said, either way it's still still an issue. And uh, you know, not to go too far ahead, but as of right now, it looks like there'll probably be two catchers drafted in the top ten in the uh, in the next year's draft. So maybe they'll address it that way, as they should. And uh, that kind of, I mean, we'll we'll get in the. I also want to talk about this year's draft too in a sec. We'll we'll get mm-hmm. to that uh, because there's some some numbers that stand out, but uh, or just some things that really stand out. And the other news too, I wanted to get to that is good for you fans out there. Actually, you know what though, I'm actually kind of feeling a little bad about that or kind of. Uh, over a little bit because I think like you, Chris, I'm kind of getting sick of the NFL and because I'm just sick of football outside of college Mm -hmm. football. I don't really 
give a crap about football that much anymore. I've been focusing more and more on other things. But the yeah. uh, for you fans out there, baseball will end. There will be no more November baseball. So they released a postseason schedule today, and it looks like the wild card games will kick off October second and October third, and then the LDS is going to run through October fourth, and if necessary, through uh, October tenth. And the uh, ALDS, same thing, well, just a day later, October 5th through the 11th, the NLCS, the 12th, which is a great day, it's my birthday, and October 20th, and then the ALCS is 13th through the 21st, and the World Series would run from the 23rd to the 31st if it goes all seven games. So, um, for you fans out there that were looking for maybe the extra little you know game in November, not going to happen, but it's okay. Um, it will end before it gets really cold. So, but well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's not going to happen, depending on the cities involved, because October can be kind of rainy. But this is true; it's not scheduled to happen. I guess, yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's a, that's a better way to put it. But uh, but let's look at the inside the numbers a little bit. And right. the trade the trade deadline has talked about like how there's been some like some people said like Brandon and I thought it was kind of boring. I don't know, Chris, what do you think of the trade deadline? What was something did this was kind of a, one of the boring ones you think to you? I I thought it was uh really good actually. I I just the the number of trades. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't a ton of big names, which I guess, you know, depends on on what you think of you know, if that's what you consider a a an exciting trade deadline, but there was a lot of different interesting things going on like, you know, that the, the Tampa trading Archer and trading for Tommy Pham. Like, that was the biggest, like, what? <laughs> it was yeah. out of nowhere. And the number of teams, like, making deals for international money and, like, prospect for prospect deals. It was just, it was kind of, I don't, I don't know, it was interesting. It was fun seeing a lot of uh, a lot of different strategies at play. Yeah, and, you know. For me. No, no, and I, I, that was the part that, I mean, I think it was boring in the sense that, some of the like in terms of the trades of, I guess, a big you know if you want to call like quote unquote big names, but Machado is a big name. Dozier, Brian Dozier is a big name, but I think mm-hmm. in terms of sheer magnitude of forever changing team kind of impact trades, maybe that's where it was. I, I thought that was kind of boring, but in terms of trading for pro or international money, that was kind of a new one to me. It kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit, but it's one of those things that you look at, and I mean. You know, Chris Archer's move, which blew me out of the water. The Pittsburgh, out of all the places in the world, he would end up as as a pirate, which blew my mind. But the um, inside the numbers we look at is that number thirteen. And that's that's thirteen teams that were involved in selling this or just selling in terms of um, mm-hmm. making trades. So that is, you know, that's a significant number. And there are seventeen other teams who just thought that they were fine with the way they are. So that number stood out to me because it was just. That in terms of even the Rays, I mean the, the Rays moved what eight guys. I mean even you look back in the offseason, Chris, they've they've been the most active trade or team trading outside of Seattle. Yeah, no, definitely, and and uh, they traded a lot of uh, fairly, you know, I mean they starters. They it was you know the big joke was that they don't have any starters on their, their roster anymore. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's the sort of thing that's like. It was interesting to me. I'm like, well, let's see how they make this work. Um, I wasn't crazy about the return for uh, Chris Archer, but then I'm also not super crazy about Chris Archer as a Chris Archer fantasy owner for like the last five years. The uh, 
the gap between what he should be and what he has been has always been a little too big for my liking. I also think that maybe Lance McCullers is turning into Chris Archer part two, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. The, the Rays, like I said, somebody pointed out that their their salary next year is like $10 million. They've got Kevin Kiermeyer, and then everybody else is on arbitration or pre-arb. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be, and they have a really good farm system, and they're playing well. I mean, that's that's. I was actually surprised by the number of teams that uh, that bought. You know, like you you mentioned the pirates. Like a month ago, I don't think anybody thought the pirates would be buyers. Um, so th- that was kind of nice to see. And uh, I was like I mentioned, I, I was one of the people disappointed the Tigers didn't do more. I thought uh, I thought they should have been able to get rid of Mike Fires. I thought they should have been able to get uh, rid of Francisco Liriano. Um. I didn't think Castellanos and Fulmer were ever real options. I was surprised we never didn't hear more about like Matt Boyd, but uh, I don't know. It just seemed like the Tigers weren't super aggressive sellers, uh, which I don't know. You could make an argument that that's fine, but I was just kind of hoping to get more people off the major league roster so we can get a look at some of the younger guys. I was too, and you know what? I was I would agree with you on that, but I will disagree with you on the sense that I think in terms of what. Before we get to your inside of numbers, Chris, I just think that who the Tigers were were trying to sell weren't good. I mean, if you look at the teams yeah. across the board that sold, look at the Rays. The Rays have some outstanding prospects, but I mean, Archer. I mean, they had to give up Boston Meadows, and I think it was a uh, who's the other guy they gave up? Um, Tyler Glasnow. Yeah, Glasnow. They had a to, player to be named, which always could be dangerous. You never know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you look at the what the Yankees. And their dealings, I mean, they got Lance Lynn, which I kind of laughed at a little bit because I'm like, really, Lance Lynn? That's your uh, ace in the hole? Um, and then they did get J.A. Ha- Happ, but they didn't really give up too much for that either. They gave up Chris Drury, who was part mentioned part of some rumors for the Tigers. But I just think the guy, the, who the Tigers had weren't good. I'm sorry. I mean, look, you look at Shane Green. Shane Green, and you know, look at his 23 saves. It's like, okay, that's cool, 23 saves, but they haven't been pretty. He has been hittable. I mean, he's been also banged up a little bit. Castellanos and Chris, you you've been on this horn the entire time, and it, I still I'm I'm gonna go with you on this. Still, you look at his this guy is not a max deal. I mean, the Braves were talk looking at him and, and as a potential, but the guys who were sellable pieces are guys that that you could pick up a slightly better version of, and that's what teams did. There's a lot of smart moves made. Even the Pirates, the their bullpen piece they acquired, and I'm drawing a blank right now on that too. Um, Keone Kella. Yeah, that was a good move for them to yep. get out of Texas, and they didn't even give up too much to, him, to get him either. And yeah, well, they gave up uh, that Taylor Hearn or whatever, who's an interesting lefty. But no, I, I just that's the thing. Like, like Cole Hamels got traded, and you mentioned Lance Lynn, and these are guys who are just not having good years. Like Fires is having a better year than them. Um, by most accounts, by most measures, it's just a matter of like, all right, well, how much do you believe that? And apparently these teams weren't believing any of that, and they, they think that the guys they acquired are going to get better. And they think Fires is going to be worse, and that's probably probably true. I just thought maybe there might be a dumb team out there that would be like, yeah, let's do it. The only, you know, and, but, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, but yeah, I, I didn't think green would happen. There were so many relievers available, and he's been so kind of pedestrian. But uh, it just, just the idea that like, like Liriano... I know I understand he's been hurt and hasn't been, you know, outstanding, but he's just murdered left-handers this year. And you would think that somebody would go like, you know, 
we could use another lefty reliever. Have our 40th ranked prospect, and the Tigers go sure because we're not going to keep him. So, and we may we may still see all that in August uh, with the you know the waiver trades, or whatever. But uh, I don't. Know, I just I thought that we'd see a little bit more. Glad they at least made one move though. Yeah, they did make one move, and the one number two I want to leave you with before you start your number really is forty four point one eight. That's uh, $44 million, um, and that is the only guy the Rays owe any money to, and that's uh, Kevin uh, Kilmeyer. Yeah, that's it. They, that's the only guy they seriously owe money to, and this is, a, this is a roster. And I saw this in the athletic tape from the Jason Stark article, and I thought that was the thing I pulled out of there was, and it, this was an interesting um, quote from a rival executive. They're just looking for opportunity, and I think they're super interesting going forward. One thing is to remember, they, they now have almost no money committed to anyone beyond this year. And this is a team, yeah. by the way, Chris, who's asking for public funds for their stadium, and I'm, you know, and for a stadium that's supposed to be what twenty eight thousand, and this is a team that has. This is Tampa is New York town. I mean, it's a Yankees affiliate, but the the Tarpons or whatever their new name is, that is a team that probably draws better than the Rays if they had a bigger stadium. So, anyways, Chris, take it away for your inside the numbers. Uh, my inside the numbers is twenty four. Uh... Which is the show starring Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's actually Jamer Candelario's weighted runs created plus over the last 30 days, which uh, again, that means he's been 76% below average. Uh, it's the second worst in baseball ahead of only Eric Hosmer, which again, laughing at San Diego. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a bummer because Candelario, it was 140 in April and 146 in May, you know, he looked like a damn good hitter. And then it was 80 in June and now 24 in July. He hits uh, 169, 218, 254 last month. But that's a .085 ISO. He had two homers, a 6% walk rate, 27% K rate. Uh, it was a negative .4 wins above replacement to Fangraphs last month, which was uh, third worst in baseball. He was a little bit higher than other people because he was, you know, playing above average defense, which has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, I'm not sure it'll last forever, but, uh, but yeah, so basically for like the first two months of the year, he was hitting like Freddie Freeman. And, uh, the last two months he's been hitting like Alcides Escobar. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been tough to watch and you hope that it's not like the league figure him out because if, if, it, if that's the case, then he is probably not a useful player going forward. I'd like to believe that a guy who walks like he does and can, you know, hit for sting the ball a little bit, will figure it out. But that's been, it's been a rough month and a rough couple of months for Candelario. I still think it's the injury. I still think it has something to do with his wrist. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's something that's still lingering, Chris, because if you, if you look at the grand scheme of things, who else are going to play at third right now? So maybe he's just going out there because he knows full well, there's nobody's going to, I mean, you're not going to call Cordy Eves up here. So, Perhaps is that Chris? I mean, is it, you think it's injury? I mean, because with the wrist, correct me if I'm, I mean, in terms of playing, you you get a lot of that torque on your wrist when you're turning your arms a little bit, and you're getting that kind of action, you know. So I, I would assume that's what it will be. Yeah, you know, I haven't dug into uh, you know specifically to see exactly what uh, you know. Look at the exit velocity month by month or whatever. But that I, you know, if you listen to the radio, Dan and Jim were talking about how. Other teams were just starting to pound him inside, you know, throw the ball, fastballs inside, and, and that's when everything started to go south. I don't know if that's still what's going on. I don't know if I could look at that, but uh, I'm sure that the you know wrist injury 
if it's bothering him, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. But I don't know. I think, you know, one way or another, he's going to have to adjust. And I would hope to see it sometime in August, uh, maybe in September, but sometimes you can't trust September numbers because, you know, you're facing the 39th man on the roster. Yeah, and, and, and for Candelario, though, I mean, in, in terms of what the Tigers will be able to get out of him still, you know, time will tell. But I, I like I said, I like to see maybe I'll, I'll wait till maybe another till next year or till June of next year, see how the wrists if they have any lingering effect to it. But they're jamming inside, Chris. Yeah, it's it's maybe like I said, you can't bring your wrist inside. I don't know. I'm in terms of physical. no. I mean, it's 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 sports, so maybe they're jamming them inside because they know about the wrist injury. You know, nobody yeah. has sympathy for you if you're hurt. Oh no, so, God no. Yeah, so so it could be a combination of both. Yeah, but uh, speaking of you know, in terms of injuries, and, and there's been this weird foot mouth disease. A second player with, yeah. Yeah, man, that, you know, Chris that. I, until the season, I don't think I've heard of one player getting it. Now you have two. Yeah, I've never heard of an athlete getting foot and mouth. Uh, <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah. I I kind of like the idea of Syndergaard and Hap making out like somewhere. <laughs> Just like these two strapping baseball players. Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you can't tame us. <laughs> but uh, my hair can't yeah, be I mean, tamed. It's weird. It's like what? What? What's going on? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think my son had a hand, foot, and mouth. Did Sarah? Did Harrison have? Yeah, he did. Yeah, you know, like I think I mentioned before, you know, kids just pass that stuff around. It's just weird, unless you consider that locker rooms are very much like daycare centers. Savage. Grown ups. Yeah, they're probably, probably, I could see that. <laughs> but, Savages, man. Savages, Chris. I'll tell you. Yeah. So, uh, let's kick off the good, bad, and ugly this week, and. Uh, so the Tigers, I mean, the Tigers, congratulations, beat some teams. I mean, they beat, they swept Ohio, so that was a, you know, they swept a little bit. got Cincinnati, and that's good, but it's not my good, bad, and ugly this week. No, there's a, there's a, a, a couple players I wanted to highlight, too, because we're talking about young talent. But I wanted to talk about Joe Adele, who just got promoted to AA, the Angels' top prospect. And this is a guy who, you know, you talked to, Chris, I know you've talked about this guy before. And um, he's been tearing it up, and uh, between single A and or uh, between low A and high A, three hundred with twenty six doubles, eighteen home runs, and uh, already have seventy one RBIs. And this is a guy who has just been tearing. And this is a guy who could potentially you could see in the major leagues at some point next year on this track. And this is a guy fourteen months ago out of high school, tenth pick, and he's putting up those kind of numbers. And he's played all three outfield positions, and for the Angels, really, they haven't. Again, we've talked about their system for the last couple of years as being horrendous, but seeing kind of guys like this now, their system's getting better. They're able to have this kind of talent in there, and just all of nineteen, he's just, especially the way he's been projecting right now. This is a guy who I don't. Know, I, I I I wanted to highlight him because we never really get to talk Angels. You know, we don't really talk Angels too much, but. I just thought people should get a if you have a if you have a or a, what's, what's, what's it called those um is it that, a dynasty league, a dynasty league keepers league oh yeah dynasty yeah yeah so if you have one of those um you know I, I think you should get him just because he just seems like a kind of guy you can build your team around so the bad this week well there's been a lot of bad in baseball this week in general 
just a lot of ugly stories in general. But you know the the Houston Astros. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we all rooted for them last year. We we're like, oh man, this is a great story. They're going to win the World Series. A bunch of good guys, and then they put themselves in a position that really in in this time period in our lives was a bad one. And they traded for and I read this today too was a. Uh, 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 training for Toronto's Roberto Asuna. Is it Asuna? Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Asuna, who was involved in a domestic dispute last year, and basically, what was it? He he didn't apologize for the uh, comment, uh, right? Or what was it? Did, did I say that correctly? I well, so I, I mean, I I think I don't remember exactly what happened. It was a you know dispute. Kind of sugarcoats it. I think. I mean, he got a seventy-five game suspension for what we assume is is domestic violence. Uh, and what did, did, you know, I haven't followed it super closely. I know that a lot of people are very upset about it. A lot of Astros seem to be upset about it. The one thing I thought I saw because I think the legal proceedings are actually going on right now. So I don't know if Asuna expressed remorse publicly or something like that and his lawyer had to clarify it like hey he does he's not remorseful for this yes that's I, I what it was. Like, yeah, I that, felt yeah. like it was a legal thing where he had to say that so that like so the sentence could be lighter lighter i don't know uh, it's yeah it's it's super ugly uh and it's something that astros knew they would be you know they had to know this is what was going to happen just the, the way people are waking up to this sort of stuff now uh, it's going to be ugly. I mean, and, and the weird thing was that they had other options. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's a great there was a great article about violence on uh, baseball prospectus, and, and just you know the numbers are staggering. It was like one in one in every four women is a victim of domestic violence, and one in every nine men. It's like it's, you know you think about <laughs> people we know. Are, you know, apparently this is happening to people we know and we don't even realize it. So, yeah, it's ugly and, and you have to wonder what kind of effect that's going to have on the Astros' locker room and, and their season going forward. Especially if they traded Ken Giles, who, who was the team's once closer and uh, former Tiger prospect David Paulino. But what it, it, the, yeah. And I found sure, the article couldn't load for me for whatever reason, but I found it here. And the thing that's really bad about this, and this is the thing that really disgusted me about the whole thing was, is what Astros uh, president general manager really, I mean, Lung now said something that I, I really thought that, I don't know, come on, Jeff, and this is what he said. Quote, quite frankly, I believe you get, you have, you can have a zero, policy, zero tolerance policy and also have the opportunity to give people second chances when they have made mistakes in the past in other organizations. This is that's the kind of how we put these two things together, and and, and Jeff and, and Jeff Passan said it was correct. It was one of the stupidest things I ever heard, and it, it really is stupid, you know. But then you look at it's just like if it's something you look at what Justin Verlander did last year about like um, Henry Vasquez, yeah, the whole Vasquez thing, yeah. you know, flicking him off, making his big deal about it, and you know, Lance McCullers Jr. has spoken out about it too. Um, it's just no one's done, and even the Toronto police are still like they still have the picture of the victim from Osana took out on. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that just like it's just you look at it with the Tigers' case with 
two cases with Evan Reed and um, the catcher, too, that they picked up and let him go. Um, yeah, Norris. Norris, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. And, and, well, and, and K-Rod. Yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot, about, I forgot about K-Rod. And uh, Urber, Urber, Urber. Well, and, and, and Miggy, you know, I don't know. We never know exactly what was said there. Yeah, we, he had some marks on his face. So. Well, here's a question um, for you, Chris. What about um, Urbina? He, 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 he killed, Urbina? Yeah, didn't he kill somebody well, because they tried to kill his mom, right? Was that... I, uh, he, he attacked somebody with a machete and set him on fire. Yeah. So that was... Uh, I think it was somebody that, that tried some, to attack his family. some real shit. Yeah, that was that's some, like, Scarface shit right there, man. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... The, the, it seems bad, but I couldn't help but come up with like I, I like two pop culture references when when you hear Jeff Luna say zero tolerance policy, but then also like say after now like I, I was thinking of the of Barry, you know the show Barry. Yeah. Oh yeah. He kept going starting mm, now. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also like you know the Princess Bride, where you know, you keep using that word. I, I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, you know the inconceivable. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, we keep on using that word. Um, so yeah, I mean that was bad for sure. It just does not bode well for Houston going forward. So I mean, it, it makes it actually easy. I mean, but then again, you look at the teams left that are to root for. You're like, oh crap! I got Boston, New York, and you know, I, I, I you know, like crap. Those teams I don't like because of geographical locations, but they don't have any, you know douchebags on the rock. Well, maybe they have douchebags. I don't know. But anyways, I digress. That's my bad. The ugly, however, I left for the Mets have made quite a bit of appearances this in, in the, on the good and bad and ugly. If I kept mm-hmm. track, I think the Mets and the Orioles are probably the two teams that are up there the most. And uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, 25 to 4. Tuesday night in the worst loss in franchise history. And this is a team that was an expansion team. It was so bad that Tommy Malone shuts out the Mets for the the next day after that. That's right. Malone is still pitching in the major league somewhere. And the Mets allowed 26 hits on 25, 25 runs on 26 hits. So the innings look like a 7-3-3-3-3-6. And they made it interesting yes. by scoring. At one point, it was, it was so bad that they scored six in the eighth. Keep this in mind, ladies and gentlemen. They scored six in the eighth. The Nationals decided to, to go out with Jose Reyes, who hit Zimmerman and did this kind of like mock, like he was going to run up there because. But that's how bad the Mets have hit the skids, and I mean, this is a the franchise has just taken outside the Orioles have been just horrendous. Uh, you know, yeah, it's hard to believe they're in the World Series a handful of years ago. You know, yeah, they have like it. it the, the team, by the way, who has the record, um, they they lost. This is the second time they've done this, too. The 85 squad lost 26-7 to seven to Philly in 1985. So they've done oh. this twice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. the one thing, the, the, the funny thing I saw about that was that, you know, Jose Reyes gave up six runs in the eighth or ninth or whatever, and that was still better than starter Steven Matz, who gave up seven in the first. <laughs> It's like, oh, that's a toughie. That is, that is, that is a toughie. It's uh, pretty amazing, all things considering, too. So, uh, you know, my good, bad, and ugly. We're finishing up the position players for the most part here. I went with left fielders now. 
left field, you know, it used to be the position where you put your, you know, biggest slugger. It's just, I don't know, there aren't many good left fielders anymore. But I, I wanted to highlight uh, Eddie Rosario, who even even though the Tigers face the Twins a lot, I still don't think he gets a lot of credit for being as good as he is. I think he was he was left off the All Star team this year, wasn't he? Um, yes, he was. Yes, he was. But uh, yeah, he was he was good last year. He hit two ninety with twenty seven homers. I mean that's that's not bad at all. And this year he's basically repeating. He's hitting hitting close to three hundred. He's got nineteen homers. He's playing better defense and, and running the bases better. So he's like a four win player, or close to four win player already. And he's not quite twenty seven. So the Twins are going to have him for three more seasons at uh, you know producing at this you know well above average level. Uh, yeah, he's not a perfect player. He strikes out. He doesn't strike out a ton. It's like 18%, but he doesn't walk much either. Only like 6%, so you'd like to see that come up. But still, uh, you know, he hits the ball pretty hard, and if you're not going to strike out a ton, the 6% walk rate is, is acceptable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's a, is a pretty damn good left fielder that I don't think many people talk about. He's, you know, basically the best hitter on the Twins. Um, the bad is Marcelo Ozuna for the Cardinals. You know, a lot of things have gone wrong for the Cardinals this year. Uh, that's how you end up shipping off Tommy Pham after he put up a six-win season last year. But I don't know if anybody's... <laughs> I, I mean, Dexter Fowler has been awful this year, but I'm not sure if anybody's been worse than Marcelo Zuna, or at least uh, has produced worse results than uh, Ozuna, because yeah, last year he hit 312 with 27 or 37 homers. You know, he's just in a monster year. You know that the, he was an MVP candidate, and this year he's hitting 270 with 13 homers. His ISO went from 237 last year to 135 this year. Damn. And, and yeah, and his his weighted runs created plus uh, went from 140 last year. Let's see, I've got it right here. 142 to 92 this year. It's a 90 or 50 point drop. Um, which is among the worst in all of baseball. I think uh, Fowler is is the worst in baseball. So there you go. You get two of the worst drops in, in WRC plus. But then you've got uh, like uh, Zach Cozart's down fifty seven. Logan Morrison's down fifty. Marwin Gonzalez is down fifty four. But you know you're talking about one of the five or six biggest drops in production. Um, one of the strange things about him this year, though, is that he's still pretty solid at home. He, he switched home, home ballparks, and he's hitting 316 at home with a 158 ISO. It's not not great, but uh, it's good for 136 WRC+. On the road, it's 226 with the 094 ISO and a 58 one runs created plus. So that could just be one of those strange quirks. I don't know, but uh, he's another guy. He's, he's going to be a free agent after next season. When I was talking about the Tigers earlier, about you know their outfield, uh, thinking about him, I'm like, huh, he could be an interesting, you know, as a 28 year old, making making uh, you know making him a target. But you probably can't afford him if he plays like last year, and you probably don't want him if he plays like this year. So maybe you're hoping for something in between next year. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's been a strange year for him. And my ugly is Gerardo Parra of the Rockies, who uh, who's never been. A good offensive player. He's always been kind of slightly below average. Uh, but at one point, he was one of the better outfield defenders in baseball. And this year, just everything's bad. Uh, he's been real bad. It's 82 WRC+. He's hit an empty 288. 
with five homers and seven steals. He's been the eighth worst defender in left field. Uh, it's negative 0.3 WAR this year, which is you know among the worst in baseball. And the Rockies are paying him 10 million, and he's got a, an option for 12 million next year that the Rockies are certainly not going to pick up. They'll eat that 1.5 uh, million dollar buyout. Um, so I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I think I talked about Ian Desmond a couple months ago, and he's actually turned things around. But the Rockies have a fair amount of money tied up in some, some kind of dead contracts. At least at least with Para. He's gone after this year, but it's been it's been ugly, and that's my good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, I mean the, the Rockies have. I mean, in terms of looking at it, they've some, been somewhat competitive, but a lot of guys. I think they expected a lot bigger results from. Certain, I mean, even though you look at the likes of their the bullpen too, and and the weird. We talked about John Gray a few weeks ago and how interesting of a um, season he's had, but I, you know, Chris, I think it's fair to say that I think the Rockies in some ways. Would, would you think it's fair to say they've underachieved this year? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I think they're still kind of in the hunt. Yeah, that's why. I, that's why it's kind of weird to say that because I was kind of like hesitant, but, but then I thought about it too. So, yeah, I mean, Charlie Lackman, I think, has had a pretty down season. Nolan Arenado still, you know, producing at a high level. I don't think DJ LeMahieu has been all that great. Trevor Story's been good, but I think it's really their outfield has been kind of, you know, bad. Right. I mentioned Para. I think Cargo is still out there. David Dahl's always hurt. Ramel Tapia is, uh, you know. So, I don't know. I would be slightly disappointed. And like you said, you know, all the investments in the bullpen and none of those guys have worked out. Their best their best reliever is, uh, what's his name? Like kind of a side armor. Oh, um, oh, I know you're talking uh, about. No, I, I got it right here. I got I got, I got yeah. their, uh, their bullpen right here. But they, uh, it's a... Uh, no, I was like, oh, no, the Brian Shaw has been terrible. Uh, oh, Chris, is it Chris Rosen? No, it's. Um, damn. I thought, All right, I'm going to look. I thought Rosen. Uh, I thought Rosen throw from the side, didn't he? Adovino, Adam Adovino. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know if he's actually a side armor, but he's you know, he throws a lot of sliders. Uh, he, he's been great. Wade Davis has been not so great, and like you said, Shaw has been awful, and so I don't know. Yeah, it's a. Strange, strange off season for the Rockies, and the results haven't been great. Yeah, and even if you look at the standings real quick too, before we get to the Tigers farm system, in terms of what a lot of the races have been kind of determined, been somewhat determined in terms of the A and the AL. But you look at the NL, and the reason why I wanted to bring up the NL real quick too is talk about what the Pirate. We talked about the Pirates a little earlier in terms of how they sit among the division leaders, and here they are. Uh, just, you know, it, the reason why it surprised me a little bit is because the it's been so tightly contended or contended, I guess, mm-hmm. in terms of the top of the NL Central between Milwaukee and Chicago. I mean, those two have been changing back and forth, but here we are: Pirates seven and a half back, three under five, three over five hundred. They lost to the Cubs yesterday. I was I actually watched the game. I watched. It was a pretty good game to watch. Uh, the Cubs were up six one before I turned it off, but still, it was nice just to kind of change up the little base because usually I usually stick to West Coast baseball after the Tigers. Um, but the NL West, I mean, the Diamondbacks and Dodgers are tied for first place. The Rockies are one and a half back, so that's why I, you know it, it was weird for me to say that because they're so close in the division standings. But I thought that the Rockies were able to kind of the Diamondbacks take another step forward in terms of progress themselves a little bit. 
And the Dodgers have been able to shape up after a pretty rough start. But the Giants, you hear today that Johnny Cuero, or Cueto is out for the year. And uh, he looks like he's going to have a tone. He looks like he has a tone rotator cuff. So big blow for the Giants. Yeah, I thought the Giants, uh, I don't know if they ever did make a move. I don't think they did. They were the only team that didn't make a trade, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the one thing about the Pirates moves is you know, they've been playing really well this year. So it was like, okay, they can kind of go for it. But both of those guys they traded for have multiple years of control left. So they're, they're kind of building for the future, too. And I thought that was kind of, again, like I mentioned, there, there are teams making interesting trades. That's one of them where you're kind of one of the teams. It, it's just like, you know, we we're sure we'll go for it this year, but this is for long-term planning. And I, I thought that was interesting. It, it's kind of a, you know, you don't often see trades like that. And uh, I wish, I wish you'd see it a little bit more, but at least from the Tigers perspective. Oh, you mean, um, you mean what? Imagination? What? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagination and, Planning, multi-year planning, and you know, buying when you know prices are low, stuff like that. But yeah, you know, I, I mean, they did it in the off season, and it worked for Martin, so I can't kill him too much. But yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, down in the minors. Yeah, here we go. And uh, the, yeah, Toledo's in the playoff race, man. They are, although they continue to, uh, and they've been struggling. But they did have, uh, they, they were three and a half. Uh, they're tied for second, three and a half out coming into tonight, but they'd smoked Indianapolis, the first place team. So they're two and a half out now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but they were in first place for a long time and they struggled mightily in July. So they're still, still on the hunt. Uh, but really it's, it's like, I think we talked about this the last couple of months or whatever. There's not a whole lot going on down there. Gerber had started to heat up and the Tigers called him up. <laughs> so it's like yeah. the Toledo keeps getting pilfered. Um, all their best hitters this year were like a and Rodriguez, they're all gone. And, you know, the pitching, Ari Lewicki's been pitching well. Tyler Alexander's been okay. Matt Hall's still striking people out. The, the main thing, mostly, in Toledo is, is Zach Houston. He's got his strikeouts per nine up over 16, which is by far the most in the International League. At the same time, Drew Verhagen was, like, third with more than 14 strikeouts per nine. So I wouldn't put too much stock into that. But, uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to get any of these guys back to to help their offense. So it might be might be tough. You know, Jake Robson's uh, really fallen off, and Kristen Stewart's still been kind of meh. So oh, they're going to need to figure it out. But maybe maybe tonight's nine one win featuring a Grayson Griner home run will yeah you know, spark them to a good August. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, look at. Grayson Griner, by the way, in his last—he's been kind of heating up down there. He's been three fourteen his last uh, last ten games. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, because right now, look at the Tigers' catching situation right now. There, at one point, they did have three catchers with Hicks primarily paying first base. But now, I mean, I could see him getting up easily in September to uh, mm. give him some more at bat. So, but uh, let's move on to Erie. Yeah, Erie's definitely the most interesting team in the system now. It's kind of been that way for a little while. It's kind of funny to think about that earlier in the season when they couldn't hit it all. But, uh, you know, the addition of Willie Castro makes it even slightly more interesting. They've got three legitimate infield prospects there now in Castro, Alcantara, and Paredes. Uh, Castro went two for seven in his team debut today. I think he played one game at short and one at DH. Hit a double. Also struck out at least once. Uh, 
you know, it makes it interesting. Uh, Paredes is still still hitting like 350. It's, he's been there for two weeks, so it's not a huge sample. He's only got a couple extra base hits, but he's hitting 350 with more walks than strikeouts, which is super impressive. Uh, Daz Cameron's hitting over 300. He's he's had a really impressive year. He's lowered his strikeout rate in Double A compared to High A. It's you know he's walking like 11 percent of the time, striking out like 22. Hitting for power, stealing bases. I think he still has 22nd base of the year tonight. So, you know, he's, he's I think, a legitimate top three or four prospect in the system now to me. Um, it's it, it, The problem with Erie, though, I mean, they, they've got those interesting bats, is the pitching hasn't really done anything great. You know, Bo Burrows today only pitched, I think, three and two-thirds innings and uh, gave up. Was it four four more walks? I was looking. He's given. Uh, he still doesn't have a game all season where he hasn't walked anybody. He's you know walked at least one in in every start. He's got twenty starts. Eleven of them uh, he had two or fewer walks, but in nine of them it was three or more. So he's not he's not Greg Soto, but he's up over f- four walks per nine innings now, which is you know that's dangerous territory for a starting pitcher. That's you know, I, I've said many times my belief is that he's a reliever, and it seems to be looking more and more like that with every outing like this. In the earlier game, Spencer Turnbull came back, and he kind of got screwed. He gave up a couple homers, I think, but he also got screwed by his defense. They made four errors today. I mentioned Paredes making two errors at third. I think uh, Alcantara made an error, too, and Jake Rogers had made an error. So it was just, uh, yeah, it was an ugly game, ugly sweep. You know, they took... <laughs> The the boat the bus trip from Erie Pennsylvania to Portland Maine is like ten hours long. Ugh. So they did they did that on Monday I think they won on Tuesday in a wild game that uh, they almost blew. Both uh, Sandy Baez has been really bad as a reliever. It's I was one just of the strange say, things to me. I was going to say he wasn't yeah. great as a starter, but yeah, there's a was last appearance on the was the twenty eighth. He uh, got lit up one one two one. One two thirds innings, six hits, five runs. Ugh. Yeah, I was watching that game. He just wasn't missing any bats. They were all hitting him hard. And then Schreiber came in and couldn't throw strikes. Uh, and Schreiber gave up his first home run of his pro career earlier, I think, last week. So I don't know. It's uh, the pitching. Alex Fado's just been kind of average. You know, he's going out there and getting outs, but nothing. You know, nothing's standing out. I was gonna really say, I was much. gonna, I was gonna ask you about that starting on Zachary. I mean, that same starter, he looked nine strikeouts in five innings. Was that just a product of? Because I, from my understanding, his off-speed stuff looked pretty good in that game too. Well, you know, it's 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 strange because they're, you know, I thought that he might even be like one of these driveline guys who's deliberately trying to throw stuff at the same speed at different, you know, it goes in different directions. But I, I don't know. I mean, he's his. His slider, it's it's one of those weird things because we saw him pitch in the College World Series and he was up to 95 with a slider that looked like a definite plus pitch, if not better. And now it just looks kind of a, looks like kind of a maybe above average slider. It looks almost like a cutter at times. It, it's His changeup is kind of inconsistent. He'll throw some nice ones every now and then, but it's still inconsistent now and they'll throw some that don't do anything. He's He just, you know, he's... He's got pretty good control. I don't know. He walked a few people in that outing. It seems like he just knows how to pitch, if you will. Like He knows how to keep hitters off balance a little bit and get weak contact for the most part. And 
you know, knows how he can set guys up and get strikeouts. I, I, I'm skeptical it's going to work at the major league level at this point, given, you know, he's working with like an 89 to 91 mile an hour fastball and a slider that's like 86 to 89. But who knows? Maybe he can, he can find that velocity or maybe he'll be able to work. You know, he, like I said, he hasn't struggled much yet. So I guess you got to believe until him until it stops working. But I don't know. The development from him hasn't been great. The development from Burroughs hasn't been great. The development from Baez hasn't been great. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's good kind of, other than Matt Manning, who seems to be developing very nicely, and there are a couple early starts from Casey Mize, the, it's been kind of a bad year for the pitchers in the system. You just have to be honest about it, you know. Franklin Perez, done for the year with a shoulder injury that, you know, worries the hell out of me. Yeah, it's the same it's, one it's, that, uh, do, uh, same thing with uh, Urias had in, in L.A., right? Well, Urias had it. He had to get actual surgery. Uh, it was so. It was like the capsule, torn capsule, shoulder capsule, something like that. And and Perez's is, I think, soreness or inflammation or something like that. But yeah, I mean, anytime there's a shoulder involved, you worry. And it's so funny to me. Like you know, we, Tyson, we did our top fifty, and and like a, less than a month ago. And I feel like if we were to do it over now, my top five would be completely different. <laughs> it would be like Mize, Manning, Cameron, Paredes, uh, Fado. Well, still probably still Perez, then Fado, then Burroughs. Like, and it was just completely. We had like it was like Mize, Perez, Fado, Burroughs, Manning before we got to. And it just seems like things have changed so much in the last month. Maybe I'm overreacting, but um, yeah, I don't know. So that, that I kind of skipped from Erie to Lakeland naturally there, but uh, nice, nice, Lakeland, that, that's a nice progression. Well, yeah, I mean Lakeland. We, t- we I mentioned Matt Manning. He he seems to just be getting better with every outing. He his last outing he did have he was cruising through five innings. I think he gave up an infield single, and then they jumped on him at the beginning of the sixth, and that was it. Like four batters in, and he'd given up a three run homer, and it was over. But but you keep seeing, uh, you know, the reports, his velocity is getting higher. You know, it's up to 97. Uh, curveballs getting sharper. The changeup still needs to, to come. And the, you know, the finer points of pitching, holding runners, things like that. But I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's it's hard to be too disappointed with his progress so far. I mean, he kind of got a late start, you know, didn't go to West Michigan until late in his first pro full season and, didn't get to Lakeland until halfway through his second pro season, but he's right on track, really. Um, and so I think that's that's impressive. And we mentioned Mize. Uh, Mize made a start in the GCL, and then he was outstanding in the uh, in his debut in Lakeland. I mean, it doesn't tell you much, but it shows you shows you how how good the top prospects, top college prospects in each draft generally are. Is that you know, high A ball is an appropriate level for them, and sometimes double A. That's how good they already are. So, and he was what three innings, one hit, four strikeouts. Every every report I heard was he was just nasty, just doing whatever he wanted to, throwing four pitches for strikes, locating. So, as much as I've complained about Mize, it's it's hard to. 
be too upset with his first couple outings. We need to probably need to see him against more advanced competition to know for sure. But uh, so far, so good. Yeah, Kim, and, I mean uh, that, that's something that's definitely needed too, especially after the Perez news. Yeah, well, that's you know I did a story about it, and it's an old adage: you can never have too much pitching. You know, if, if we look, you know, Funkhauser broke his foot. He's probably a reliever. Burroughs hasn't been pitching that great. He's probably a reliever. Perez is hurt. Fado's stuff is not nearly what it was, you know, supposed to be coming out of college. So it's like suddenly all these arms, you go, uh, I don't know. Do we really have anything? Are we, but, are we uh, really pulling a Mets situation where they have all these arms? And, I, I remember yeah, I, I weren't, I, was, I wasn't trying to be a dick, remember, but I said something like, you know, you can never have enough pitching because you can end up like New York. But the the one arm I wanted to ask you about Lakeland, we haven't really mentioned him in a while, too, has been uh, Anthony Castro, who, yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, him and uh, Gutierrez have been pretty well in Lakeland. Those two, I, I, I know in terms of where they stand on the prospect list, but, uh, you know, quietly, I think you look at uh, Gutierrez's numbers in Lakeland right now, 69 strikeouts, in 62 innings, you know, his walks are a little bit concerning. Same thing with Castro, but still, I don't know. I, I personally think that Gutierrez is having a, a good year. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he's he's up in Erie now. He got bumped from Lakeland, and, and he was uh, having a couple – I think he started a couple games. He was supposed to get moved to the bullpen uh, in Erie, and then they made the trade of Doughty, I think. So he so they had to oh, yeah, put and him he, back at what was starting. It? Let's see, five innings, five hits, two runs. Four strikeouts and ten, or four walks and ten strikeouts. That's pretty. That's a nice debut. In there. Yeah. No, he's a guy. He's one of those guys. You know, you talked about a couple of years ago. I think, or you know, yeah. his numbers were always really good. He's one of those guys who who could get to the majors. I think just on the strength of of pitching ability, and you know, it's interesting stuff and not nothing like crazy good, but you know, he could could end up being a middle reliever or something like that in the future. Um, so yeah, he's been well, he's been pitching well. I had my, in my notes, Anthony Castro, uh, my note was he's still alive and pitching because he has, he's just been mostly steady all year long in Lakeland. He had that really rough, you know, he got bumped up to, to Erie and was really roughed up and has been back down in Lakeland ever since, but he's been solid and pitching well. And he's still a good pitching prospect. He's another guy who's probably a reliever in the end. But uh, well, the reason why I wanted to bring up arm. the reason why I wanted to bring up in the context of Gutierrez in Lakeland because he's primarily there, but we haven't we haven't mentioned him at all. I don't think we've mentioned him yeah. since the beginning of the year. That seems like it seems about right. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, we didn't mention. I don't think we ever mentioned Dowdy. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he was a guy who was you know jumping all over the system and putting up good numbers occasionally, and and it wouldn't shock me at all to see him in a middle relief role a little bit for the Indians next year. Um, and I've got two wildly conflicting reports on him. You know, Paul Wesner from Tykestown saw him and said he was 90 to 92 with his fastball with, uh, you know, and nothing else even approaching average. And then one of the 2080 guys saw him at Erie and said he was up to 96 multiple times and had a, a interesting cutter and his curveball flashed average. And it's like, well, what the hell, man? Maybe this is a, just kind of a uh, uh, Jekyll and Hyde kind of pitcher, or uh, I don't know. Speaking of which, that's kind of that's you took the words right out of mouth and talk about uh, Vladimir Pinto's uh, last couple of appearances. He seems like he's been in Jekyll and Hyde situation where 
his numbers, yeah, okay, 20 strikeouts in fit, you know, in his last couple appearances, 20 strikeouts in 15 innings, but then you look at the walks, it's 10 walks, and he still there's a couple of times where he just goes out there, pitches okay, and then he goes out there and gets just gets rocked a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's one where, you know, Chipman says that he has he, he's completely different than he was 2 years ago or whatever when he was in the Gulf Coast League. Um where before he had a fastball with a ton of life on it and a hammer breaking ball, and now it, the fastball is straight and flat, and the breaking ball is kind of like a, a thirty grade slider. And it's weird how that's changed so quickly. And uh, there's, you know, he had that injury last year. I don't know if it was an oblique or a lat or whatever, but I mean, maybe that changed. He had to change the way he threw, but it's not been great this year. It's unfortunate because he was, he looked like the next, you know, big hard throwing late inning reliever in the system and, and things backed up pretty hard for him. You know, and also we, we talked about this and no one knows what happened to Austin Sodders. I mean, he was, it's been it, like he was on a DL and no one said yeah. why. Yeah. I think it's probably a shoulder thing. Shoulder. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, th- there've been a number of pitchers. It, that's what the teams do. I don't know why they completely conceal injuries for minor leaguers. Um, maybe it's like a HIPAA thing and they can't or they don't have to so they don't but it's like you know there were Sodders there was uh, what's his name the, was it King Garrett King I think for West Michigan was an interesting arm early in the season and then he's just disappeared um, so usually when, when pitchers are gone for this long you either assume shoulder or Tommy John um, it's not always the case you know sometimes it's like a lat or whatever but when when you don't hear anything, I just assume arm. So yeah. it's unfortunate, but as we, we you know we heard early in the season about his velocity jump. A lot of times, a, velo- a jump in velocity is a precursor to Tommy John surgery. Happened with uh, Brian Garcia, with Jason Foley. It happens to a lot of guys. So wouldn't shock me if if he had to get Tommy John. So uh, we move before we, you know, besides Ray Mysterio coming to town on Friday for Connecticut, what's going on with the, uh, what's going on with the, uh, at one point in time, there were the lobster rolls the last time we talked to them about the Connecticut Tigers. Oh, Connecticut. Well, we didn't talk about West Michigan. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, well, that's true. We, I, I wanted to see if West Michigan to last because they've been. Okay. They, the reason why I want to uh, see if West Michigan to last is because they've been, they've been quite uh, bringing the buzz back over there. Yeah, six straight wins. But, uh, yeah, Connecticut. I mean, Connecticut, uh, they lost tonight to fall back down to, to 500, but they are still, I think they're like three or four games behind Tri-Valley or Tri-Cities or whatever the hell it is. But it's basically all about Winsel Perez um, there. He's and the most exciting young prospect there. He, he started off rough. I think he was three for his first 20 in his first week, and they, he had like three or four games off. And since then, he's like he's hitting like 330. He was uh, six for nine, six for nine <laughs> against Auburn in the Auburn yeah. series. Sorry. Yeah, I have twelve for thirty-four in like the last seven or eight games. So oh. yeah, and with hitting, hitting doubles and stealing the occasional base, he's you know, still a little. Uh, I don't know what do you what do you want to say, erratic at shortstop, but he should stick there long term. It sounds like he's just got really legitimate bat to ball, hard contact skills, which is uh, a good place to. That's good. I like that. And it does. I don't think he's going to be 
Now we'll see. I mean, it's still short season eight ball. There's a long way to go, but I don't know if he's going to be like the guys we talked about earlier where he won't take a walk and he'll strike out a ton. I think it may very well be that he won't take a walk, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to strike out a ton. We'll see. Um, yeah. Other than, other than that down at, uh, you know, uh, Adam Wolf is pitching there. It's kind of interesting. Casey Murphy is joining the club. Carlos Guzman, you know, the converted position player, is a really interesting arm out there. We mentioned him about a month ago, I think. Got a fastball. He'll hit hit like 95 and a pretty damn good changeup. Uh, and then Sam McMillan, you know, their, their big bonus baby last year is just really struggling all the way around. I think he's hitting like 170 with not much in the way of power, and the reports on his defense are really bad. <laughs> so... I mean, they always say that high school catchers are like the, the the worst. It's like the toughest draft group. They just never work out. So uh, it's an interesting choice for the Tigers to <laughs> spend a million dollars on that. But we'll see. He's still 19, so there's time. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That some of the more interesting draft picks, like De La Rosa and Burks, they're kind of struggling now, too, so as you might expect with athletic guys who don't have uh, a ton of experience playing advanced baseball, they're striking out a lot. So, and then, uh, I don't know if we jump up to West Michigan. Yep. Right, we said that they won six in a row. They're currently losing three, nothing to great lakes who they are 12 and two against this year, which is, uh, you know, pretty big. They, uh, I was watching the game last night, Dylan Rosa, who, uh, is typically, not typically, but he's been he's been a really bad defender. Whenever I watch him, like making horrible errors and stuff, he made he made a spectacular play yesterday. He made a diving catch in left field, and then got up and threw a guy out at third who was trying to uh, you know tag up. It was a great throw, and then he went up and hit a, a two run homer, an inning or two later that ended up being the game winning runs. So it was like you know probably I think we'll probably be, end up being the highlight of Dylan Rose's career. <laughs> but uh, that was good for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be too mean, but yeah, yeah I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Casey Clemens, Casey Clemens, Cody Clemens has been, like you mentioned earlier in the show, he's been heating up. He's been really good. He's uh, hitting over 400, I think, in his last 10 games. Five doubles, a triple, two homers, four walks. He's up, up over 300 on the season now. Uh, sounds like the reports on his defense are better than people expected, so I think it's interesting. And the pitching, pitching's kind of fun down there. They, they, uh, I still am a big fan. I'm probably like the highest person on the two guys they got from the Angels, Elvin Rodriguez and Wilco Hernandez. I've been on the like Wilco. I've been, I've been on the Wilco Hernandez uh, train. Yeah, I mean, he, he he had a really good start the other day. It was like five innings, I think six strikeouts, maybe one hit, something like that. Um, he's he's got a really good arm. He's built a little bit like Anthony Castro, so I wonder if he like he's 19 and. So you hope that he can put on some weight, but it's kind of that slender build that I'm not sure he will gain much weight. But it's still it's it's a fastball that's like you know low 90s can hit the mid 90s. Got a big breaking ball that he kept yanking into the left-handed batter's box, but when he located it, like the batters just weren't swinging at it. Like they just it was you know dropped that much like 11.5 and kind of interesting changeup. And he was pounding the strike zone, so I. I don't know, for a 19-year-old, it's a, it's a really interesting arm. And then Elvin Rodriguez doesn't quite have the same velocity, but he really knows how to climb the ladder with his fastball. And he also has a very similar curveball, really. I think it's a little bit slower, and, and he's got a solid, like a hard changeup. 
don't know. They're, they're two really interesting arms. I think, you know, as with all young pitchers, you, you probably say that the ultimate result is a, a reliever, but I think they've got ceilings of, I think with Elvin Rodriguez, you could have a back-end starter. And I think with Wilpole, if, you know, if you dream a little bit, you could end up having like a number three starter, a number four starter. So that's interesting to me. And then Tariq Skubal, I, I don't know if it's Tariq or Tarek, but uh, he's been working out of the bullpen down there and he's been having an awesome pro debut. You know, it's, I don't think he's, he's given up like one earned run, got close to 30 strikeouts, I think, maybe more than that in 20 innings. So uh, wow, already I he's a guy was, that, that wow. Keenan and I, uh, when we were doing that list, we were looking. He was he wanted to get another lefty reliever in there, and I was like, well, what about School? Because he's a college kid, got twenty innings, thirty strikeouts, and four walks this year, thirteen hits, one earned run. I mean, you know, it's rookie ball, short season, and A ball. No, it's for a twenty-one-year-old college guy. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they try him as a starter or if they just go straight to the bullpen as a lefty who can you know get it up to the mid nineties. I wouldn't mind the I wouldn't mind the bullpen idea only because the Tigers definitely lack a power lefty. They haven't really had a power lefty. If you if you think about it, in terms of power lefties that tried and, and success and have been successes, I mean, look at Andy Oliver. You look at a guy like um, I'm trying to think of a, they had another lefty, and, uh, Casey Crosby. Yeah, that, but Listen. I don't know if he ever relieved. You know, they had Ian Kroll. They they tried for power lefty. Like uh, the only one who would. Even sort of qualify, I guess, would be Phil Coke. Um, yeah, but I'm talking. You know, you don't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What's that? I was going to say, in terms of homegrown talent, I'm trying to think of the last one they had that was. Yeah. Jimmy Walker, the last effective. I mean. Lefty? Yeah, I don't. I, 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 they haven't had a power lefty, a homegrown power lefty. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they've had they've had some solid lefty relievers over. You know, we talk about Blaine Hardy had a, a couple yeah. decent years and. Jimmy Walker and Bobby C and stuff like that, but you know all their attempts to get a power lefty was like Brad Brad Thomas a lefty. I don't remember. Um, I think he was. I can't remember either. But yeah, they they, they tried a bunch and never got one. So maybe Scoobal is it. Yeah, I mean he's all, yeah you're right. He is off to a good start after spending some time in rookie ball. But the you know no this is the first uh, podcast we have not mentioned Deffridge because he has kind of struggled a little bit recently. Yeah, when you watch him play and you look, you see the swings. It, there's holes all over his swing. You can get him out with fastballs up. You can get him down out with breaking balls low. It's a he's he's a good athlete, but I just don't think he's ever going to hit enough to be a real prospect. Yeah, and it's it's uh, in terms of curious case too of uh, Rivera. We haven't we've been checking in on him here and there, and and in terms of what he's been able to do, uh, he's been. Struggling mightily after a good start. He's hitting 121 in his last, uh, last looks like about 33 at bats and just four hits. He's four for 33. And, uh, with a lot of strikeouts, too. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's been, you know, they're working on him on his swing. And I don't know, sometimes when they try to change your swing, you get caught in between or you're not comfortable with a new swing. Or maybe he's just, you know, it's, we saw it last year, you know, when he came from the, Junior college season, he just had an awful pro debut. Maybe he's just not used to the grind of a full season of baseball, and, and he struggles on the stretch. Or it just could be, you know, one of those stretches. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Yeah. And uh, the other guy who uh, came in from this year's draft, who's off to a decent start, is uh, Ethan DeCaster. That was the guy they picked out of the 18th round out of Duke, who's going to be an org guy, but still 
19 strikeouts yeah. and 16 innings pitched. Yeah, I think I think he came from Creighton before Duke, or maybe Wichita State or something like that. But he's he's interesting because he's kind of a side armor, I believe. Um, so you never know. It's like I always say with John Schreiber, you don't know. He doesn't throw as hard as Schreiber, but he's not like a super soft tosser either. So he might be able to stick around for a while. But you're right. He's almost certainly an org guy. Yeah. And uh, before, you know, as we end the podcast, uh, one guy I want to mention that Chris, you know, Chris, look, you, you planted this fat, you planted this flag on this guy since day one. And, you uh, know, like, you know, <laughs> you know, Casey Myers has been a good pick. Don't get me wrong. And the guy who's been who's already advanced to uh, advanced to Winston Salem already is one Nick Margil, and he has uh, been fifty. It was fifteen for thirty, uh, fifteen for forty four, three double, six RBIs, and two stolen bases in his twelve games in Kannapolis. Uh He has yet to strike out in sixty sixty six plate appearances in the Arizona and Sally leagues, and this is the most plate appearances by a minor leaguer without a strikeout this season, and. The other one was Cole Calhoun, but still, uh, it was a joke made earlier by Motor City uh, Bengals. John, um, John, we still need to have John on, but uh, yeah. he made this comment. <laughs> he's too short to play, and uh, we've joked about that too as well. But yeah, you know what? This, yeah. he's, it's been off to a tear, man. Yeah, you know, I, I think Brandon ended up carrying the flag for Madrigal, I think, heading into the draft. I, I sort of, when we were looking up, a couple months before the draft, I'm like, you know what? Just take Madrigal and save money and go and get, you know, somebody else interesting. Try to slide another top 15 pick down to the second round. They ended up not doing that. And, and, you know, it may be fine. I don't think Madrigal has hit for much power yet, but, you know, there was never any question about him being able to hit. And that was, he's the best hitter in college baseball and he was going to come hit in pros. It was all about can he play shortstop? Can he hit for power? Is he going to stay healthy? Uh, and, you know, so far, so good. So yeah, definitely worth highlighting him. I didn't know if uh, if we were going to talk about uh, athletes on TV. Yes, we are. That's going to be our last. Yeah, I should say that yeah. should wrap up the podcast. And Youper uh, brought up one that I did not like. I used to watch a show as a kid, Hunter. Do you remember Hunter? I, I it was one of those shows that was on like Channel Fifty, along with like the Fall Guy that I would see or would be on at like two in the morning. And be like, eh, I'm not going to watch this. This doesn't seem like it's for me. My, but uh, my, yeah, my I dad, remember my, it. I my dad used to watch it. it. I'm, I'm actually. I'm playing the intro underneath us right now, and it's one of those classic '80s intro. and And Youper uh, described it as a um, as a uh, Clint Eastwood ripoff. And then, but what's interesting was is I didn't know that guy who played Hunter Fred Dreyer was a former football player. He used to start for the Rams, apparently. So yeah, I, I think I didn't know that, but I don't like again. I never watched the show, so I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know if you're good in the show. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There was that weird era where, like, you, you this came about because you were talking about Bob Uecker. Yeah, this, yeah. So, okay, so let me, let's, this is how it came about. So, I was watching the Hall of Fame speeches. I watched the Alan Trammell and Jack Morris, um, Hall of Fame speech. And it was, oh, God, you know, the cliche car crash at the end of every single 80s cop show. Um, <laughs> So I was like one of those things on YouTube when you have the autoplay feature, sometimes you just if you're doing something else on the computer, you have your headphones on, you're wandering, your mind's just wandering on something else. Autoplay comes on. And so for whatever reason, the Bob Buecher from 2003 Hall of Fame speech came up and 
before that, I was watching Johnny Carson. I was, I've been on this big com- stand-up comedian kick lately. I think it's Jerry Seinfeld. And mm-hmm. that YouTube, like YouTube has their suggestions, so they'll start auto-playing stuff that they'll just put in there. And they recommended the Bob Euchre Hall of Fame speech, and it was hilarious. He did it totally off the cuff. Then I watched him, made his debut on uh, t- Tonight Show in 1972 before the Tonight Show moved from New York to California, and he was hilarious. And everything I watched him, and it just made me think, like, all right, so it made me wonder, like, what other athletes have we watched on TV that were just, like, to surprise you a little bit in terms of not only their athletic ability, but just their acting ability. So I started thinking of something. I started thinking about Isaiah Thomas against Will Smith in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will Smith projects him. I mostly just remember him from the advertisement. The uh, what was it, Detroit Edison or whatever? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was standing around the kid. He was standing around those kids around the tree. Yeah, they was like, look <laughs> out for power lines. Um, but, what about you, man? I mean, like, I know you're not like you. You you watch a lot of, I say obscure TV because I mean, you and I have similar interests in shows, but you also you know like you remember shows that like not a lot of people do, but. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like. It's hard to find ones where, like, where Euchre was. You know, he starred in uh, Mr. Belvedere. Yeah. You know, Street Fighter, China. Um, but like, to find athletes like you mentioned, Hunter. The one, the one, like that that I remember was Webster with Alex Karras, the football football player. Uh, and the weird thing about Webster, you know, I I was looking it up not too long ago. It's like, what was that show really about? I remember watching it as a kid and just watching, like, you know. Uh, and, and I remember them always. I don't know if you ever watched Webster at all. Yeah, I did. I watched a lot of Webster. But I remember them living in, like, a big, like, Victorian house. And I didn't realize, like, the first couple seasons they were in, like, a high rise until Webster burnt that shit down. Like, <laughs> he, he got, like, a science kit and set the damn high rise on fire. And it was like, it's. Yeah. I, I wonder if everybody's, everybody's ever looked back at like all the serious episodes of sitcoms in the 80s. Like, what were they doing to us, man? There was like, everything was so serious. There's like, oh, there's a fire, or don't you know, don't climb in a refrigerator, you'll you know, die. Don't uh, go to a bicycle store, you'll get molested. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. It was, it was like every damn like, oh, don't have a party. There'll be cocaine everywhere. Like yeah. every single show, it was just like what. Do you remember, there is a Punky Brewster episode. This is a more obscure moment, but they had an episode where somebody locked themselves or locked themselves yeah. in a refrigerator. Do you remember yeah, that? that's what yeah. I was talking about. The, the girl Sherry or whatever. She yeah. locked herself in the They were playing hide and seek, and yeah. you know, she almost died. And it was like, yeah, they were taking like everything from the news that could possibly happen and like making a show out about it. Like, like oh, let's have a. Let's have somebody get blown up by fireworks. <laughs> my favorite still, my favorite still is the the cat video show me of the after school special of uh, um, oh, yeah. Helen Hunt. Helen, <laughs> Helen Hunt. <laughs> to the class. No, just but, doing a little, just your basic PCP. Yeah, you know, no big just deal. A little PCP. What are you gonna do? You jump out of the window. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So the Alex Karras, I remember him from Webster. That you know, most of the other ones I remember were like cameos, like I. You mentioned Jerry Seinfeld. They had a couple of good ones on Seinfeld. Oh, you the know, Ke- Keith Hernandez. That was on. Uh, that was on tonight too. Uh, episode so ironic. But then you know, like Derek Jeter and like Danny Tartable, I think were an episode, or Bernie Williams maybe. But uh, <laughs> Kirby Enthusiasm had the Muggsy Bogues was showed up on one episode that I thought was great. 
he showed up at the very end and the Bill Buckner episode was great too. Yeah, I saw that one. That was great. That was fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, uh, Muhammad Ali used to show up on different strokes. He was on different strokes a few times. Muhammad Ali was? Yeah, there was an episode where he somehow Arnold runs into him and his voice started kind of going at that point. He was like, yeah. it was like, this is like 81, 82. And this is, I think, right after he retired. And he's like, I smoke like a butterfly. And he had that kind of. He was talking like this the whole time, you know. It wasn't his oh, Willis. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. And, uh, that was one of my first ones. And then the one I remember, um, it, it's it, it's an obscure reference, but I, uh, I'm trying to. Think. It was the, of course, you know, everybody talked about Lance Parrish being on an episode of Different Strokes, which I totally forgot about. But it was I remember the '84 Tigers were on quite a bit of television. But who can forget the one of the probably one of the greatest, um. It's it, it's still, to me, one of the. I think one of the it's, it's, it, was, it was mentioned in an ad, and it's Michael Jordan. Seeing this. Gatorade, is it in you? Gatorade, is it in you? Gatorade, is it in you? No, I got here. Right, ready. Is it in? Is it in you? Ready? Gatorade. Is it in you? No. Gatorade. Is it in you? Gatorade. Is it? Michael Jordan Gatorade. over and over again saying you? Gatorade. Is it in you? Is it in you? Is it in you? Is it in you? Speaking of Michael Jordan, I, I remember a cartoon. Do you remember Pro Stars? Yeah, with Wayne Gretzky and Bo Jackson. Yeah. It, yeah. And they. They were like teaming up to like fight crime and fix the environment and stuff. It's like what? Yeah. What are we? What are we doing with our stars back then? We put them on a pedestal a little bit, but you know, like yeah, they they would show up in little clips that were really bad, and then it would be voice actors for the cartoon. Yeah, but I I didn't realize Carl Weathers was a football player, so you could you could throw him on there for rest development, obviously. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I, you could throw him on for uh, he played. Uh... Did he play Brian Pickle? No, 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 no. That was uh, Billy Williams that played Bill, yeah. Brian or uh, uh, Keel Sayers and uh, and I Brian Song. There were there were a lot of cameos on the league, which is you know is about a fantasy sports thing. So obviously, I don't, yeah. none of them really stand out. But but uh, one other one from the eighties that I remember, I remember Bruce Jenner showing up on Silver Spoons. <laughs> um, you know, obviously he's Caitlyn Jenner now, or she's Caitlyn Jenner now. But back then, it was it was just weird. It was. The first I'd ever heard of Bruce Jenner, it was right after he'd won, you know, the Olympic medals or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, huh, why is this guy in Silver Spoons? Oh, well. There was an so. episode. There was, I'm trying to remember the, the show, but I think there was an episode where Mary Lou Retton was on. I think she was an episode of, like. Oh, it sounds like maybe a Facts of Life. Yeah, so I think it was a Facts of Life. You know what? Believe it or not, fun fact about myself, I watched mm-hmm. every single season of Facts of Life, including the George Clooney years where he was on there. Yeah, As a I remember the George Clooney years. Yeah. I I don't think I watched the really early seasons when they were all, like Molly Ringwald was on it. Oh, you know what? I, I made a point to because because Channel Fifty, I think it was Channel Fifty or Channel Twenty, used to mm-hmm. show a lot of the reruns, and I watched every single rerun that was on there for a period of about six years. And the Facts of Life had that when they started back up back up again, the first two seasons with yeah with Molly Ringwald and and they had some blonde who was very similar to Blair. Mm-hmm. And and they all disappeared, and suddenly they were in this other different house, which didn't you know? 
The only show I never got into was uh, Mel Carter. Um, give me a break. Yeah, give me a break. I, I could because I couldn't stand the theme song. Give me a break. Just oh, that was the only thing I liked about that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there were there used to be shows. There were shows like that 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 didn't get a ton of play on the re- reruns. Like I didn't watch that one a ton. Or um, did you watch what's what's happening now? Yeah, I, I was I was going to mention that what's happening and what's happening now with. Uh, was it Fred Perry? What was his name? Fred something. The rerun. Yeah, rerun. Um, yeah, was that was he the vehicle for that show? Because I thought Roger was like uh, Roger was he not only because he had a cool name, yeah. but you know, once once again comes back to Roger. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he was the star, but but the rerun was kind of like he was like you know the Urkel or whatever. Like became sort of the star because the main characters were just kind of too dull. Yeah, Roger was kind of a kind of adult. I mean, the, the glass, and then his second his. Yeah. His second in the command guy, the other guy, I forgot the guy, the other guy's name. Um, Boy, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember that guy either. But yeah, I mean, there were other shows like I didn't watch a ton of Charles in Charge, or I did. there was a show with Jim J. Bullock in it. J. J. Bullock. Uh, boy. Yeah, I mean, we know him mostly from like that era of Hollywood Squares, but he there was a show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh it was man, like too close for comfort or something like that. Does that sound right? I don't know. Or was it? I thought. Oh, I thought it was. Eight. What was the one show that uh, eight is enough? Eight, yeah, that was like a spinoff of uh, Growing it, Pains, I think. Yeah, was it? Was, no, or I remember, just the ten of us. Just the ten of us. <laughs> damn it! You just beat me to the punch. <laughs> JJ, because uh, no, no, no. Um, the just the ten of us was a spinoff of. Oh crap! Was it? Oh, I thought. That- I thought it was a spinoff of Growing Pains. I thought he was the the gym teacher. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I was trying to think of the other. Show there in that period of time that was like all interconnected, Growing Pains, Just the Ten of Us because that it, it went to uh, Just the Ten of Us went to uh, to Friday nights. It was part of the TJF Friday uh, yeah. lineup. Good God, man! Yeah, I just yeah. I mean, they all. It's weird how they sometimes come back. You know, the, there was the Valerie's family, and then Hogan family after she you know yeah. didn't. Sign a contract or whatever. Oh, I mentioned uh, a bunch of shows with Jason Bateman on them. Yeah, suddenly, and suddenly the dad was a focus, even though the dad really wasn't really much of anything. Yeah. It, was Sandy Dun- it was Sandy Duncan. That's who took over. Yeah, Sandy Duncan came in Jesus as the answer. Christ, man! Like it just occurred to me, like how much, like I didn't. It just dawned on me, like all this has been sitting in my brain, waiting to be used. Well, <laughs> well I don't know. Did you have cable growing up? We didn't have no, cable, so I didn't, we had four no, channels basically. Yeah. And so you'd watch whatever you could. I remember getting cable. We had like thirty channels, and I was I would stay up all night watching infomercials because I could. <laughs> I just stayed up yeah. when we first got cable. Real quick before that, this is a good way to end the podcast. So you know what? I honestly stayed up and watched because I was so blown away that I had more. I had sports for the first mm-hmm. time. ESPN would show like this is before they were more of a twenty four hour. They show like the most. Obscure things possible, and I remember like it was. Yeah. They would show like um, the lumberjack competition. Yeah, the lumberjack, the heavy, the heavyweights guy, the guys who are taking those um, kegs and carrying yeah, them around the, the world's keg. strongest man. Yeah, those those things were. Yeah. I thought I used to watch. Yeah, they used. To, I remember they used to have like game shows, like where it was almost like an American Gladiators type thing. Yeah. But dude, I used to watch headline news <laughs> for like the one minute sports update from Van Arnold Wright. Uh-huh. Just that was the only way I could find it because you know, it's so funny to think about this now. But like back then, my favorite team was the Dodgers in the early nineties. The only way to see 
if Daryl Strawberry hit a home run, was to sit there and wait, you know, to the 17th minute or whatever the hour to see on the highlights. Because um, they, I, you know, SportsCenter didn't, I don't, they didn't used to run it all night. They would do like one and then maybe a baseball tonight and that was it. Yeah, or they showed that, so or they showed it, that one it, and in then, repeats. And since they were West Coast games, the scores wouldn't be, the box scores wouldn't be there in the newspaper. So it was like the only way to find out was just watch headline news. So I just sit there. Like, uh, oh, learning about the Gulf War. I don't care. Give yep. baseball. I would call, you know, uh, they had ESPN had 1 800 number. You can call for, like, updates. Oh, 99 yeah. cent per minute. I think I have it. I think I have it right here my, uh, among my collection of audio. Um, but yeah, remember they had a number. They, they, you had a number that you could call for sports scores. That sounds like the old sports machine or whatever. But uh, yeah, these kids, they don't know. No, they got sports. The sports at their fingertips. The porn is free and easy. The porn floats <laughs> like wine. You used to have to work for your porn. <laughs> you used to have to you watch to, scramble porn. Yeah, goddammit. Like I think everybody our age has like some fantastical tale of finding a bag full of porno magazines in the woods or something like that. Like what? It's like like finding a <laughs> pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for a eleven year old. On that note, yeah, though, yeah, no, yeah, I don't not, get too dirty. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, 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 magazine of porn, um, no, the the bag of porn is, yeah, <laughs> the old bag of porn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I did find the, uh, yeah, no, I didn't find it. Okay, never, never mind. Anyways, on the end, on that note, thank you for listening to Tigers SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com, and a couple things coming up, excuse me, down the pipeline that I wanted to mention that you should be aware of. The next couple of weeks or so, uh, we're going on our own feed. Now, we're still part of SRD, what have you, but uh, really just we're separating the shows a little bit. So I know you guys, whoever consumes us on Podbeam gets all the shows and all this stuff. We appreciate listening to other shows and, and all our great content here on the website. But uh, in order to clean things up a little bit and make things easier for you to subscribe to us, we're going to have our own feed here on iTunes. So I've been cleaning up, I've been working behind the scenes, and uh, that'll be in the next couple of podcasts or so. So I'm hoping by the end of the month that will happen. So for now, continue to listen to us on iTunes and we'll make more of a formal announcement. We'll post all the links and all that stuff. And uh, we'll have some, it'll be baseball content, all, all tigers and what have you, but um, some few surprises along the line with that too, as well. So uh, looking forward to that and looking forward to really the weekend for the tigers as they are going to blank. Oaktown. Yeah. So they uh for the, for the Tigers really I'm just I'm I, right now I'm just I'm counting down to September a little bit only because I want to see the 40 man roster call up and I want to see uh what Jacob Robinson could do. So and for that we're out and uh we'll see you next week same bat time same bat channel and uh we appreciate it and uh oh yeah uh well there's one more suggestion too. Um Keon did mention um Alan Trammell's appearance at the uh Magnum PI so well, for Yeah. So classic Classic. Can't forget that. With Lou. With Lou. Yeah, that's the way it should be. So I'll see you next week.